According to the Federal Reserve, outstanding student loan debt for American borrowers reached $1.7 trillion as of March 2021, doubling its previous balance in just a decade. Student loan debt is now the second largest outstanding debt Americans hold, passing auto loan debt and second only to mortgage loan debt. How did we get here? And what are the underlying problems causing this figure to balloon so rapidly? And finally, what possible outcomes may come from the current administration as they look to address this issue? We discuss all this in episode 23. Welcome to the F-Sharp Podcast, presented by Harmony Wealth, a podcast geared to educate you on all things financial. Co-hosts Tanner Bortnam and Adam Henning discuss various financial topics presented in a consumable and entertaining manner. Tanner is a certified financial planner, JD, and financial expert, while Adam is a marketing professional and small business owner. It's time to harmonize. Sit back and enjoy the episode. Your future self will thank you. Welcome to episode 23 of the Financially Sharp podcast presented by Harmony Wealth, a podcast geared towards making you more financially literate. I'm Adam Henning, marketing professional and small business owner, and I'm joined as always with co-host, certified financial planner, JD, and industry expert, Tanner Bortnam. Hey, Tanner, how's the new house, the new office, the new setup? Hopefully you don't sound uh, a whole lot different. Oh, yeah, things are going well. Um... Yeah, in in our house now. This is the first time recording from in the new house. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't sound any worse. Hopefully, it's actually a lot better. Um, I actually have the new office a lot more set up than than where we were uh, previous at when we we're renting. Because obviously, you can't do as much um, in a rental as you can in now in your own home. And I have a bunch of acoustic panels up and and everything. So hopefully, the sound quality is going to be a lot better for our listeners. Woot woot. That's right. <laughs> I still haven't done a whole lot of acoustic yep. stuff in mine. I'm talking got, into a closet, but well, uh, yeah, you got all the lights and stuff though. I'm I'm still working on I have you know diplomas up and TV up so I can watch the markets during the day, but I still have um a few other things I need to to get done here in the office yet. My diplomas are still in the mailing envelope <laughs> in a closet. <laughs> The original mailing envelope, uh, both of them. You didn't even so, open it to make sure it was signed and it was your name. Oh no, that I, you know, you cut it open, look at it. Yep, that's good. Um, and it's uh, in the room right beside me, actually, in the closet. So, um, I when I got my undergraduate <clears throat> degree, I want I knew that I was gonna go back for my master's, so I waited because I wanted to frame them at the same time so the frames matched, and then laziness and procrastination took over and i just yeah. haven't done it so nice. uh, now that i might have reason to now that i actually have like an office it might happen but yeah i think they'd look nice in there and i ended up doing the same thing i waited till after law school and i got all three um framed up and actually i have one more to get framed too i, I don't have the cfp um certificate framed and i want to get that one done and added to the the collection but um it's just what what do they call it tchotchke. It's just stuff in the back of your your video. So hey, you earn those, right? Well, that's I mean, yes, definitely did, but it's not like anyone can read them from you know the camera <laughs> when I'm having meetings. 
Talk about an unplanned segue. What a perfect transition. That's We're right. We're talking about student loans today <laughs> or in this episode. Yes. Good old student so, loans. What so those... your, your very costly frames. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, yeah, that paper that they printed it on must have been pure gold or something. <laughs> All right. We'll start. We'll kick off. Let me just pull up the notes here. There we go. Um, so what do you want to talk about and how do you want to break, break down student loans? Obviously we know what they are, um, and how, well, most of us know what they are and, and how, how, how we, um, acquire them as we, we pursue our education. But I'm, I'm guessing there's probably something different or a different angle that you want to take with this. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, as you mentioned, everybody knows what student loans are, they know how to get them. You know, this isn't an episode for, um, you know, a a junior in high school who's applying, you know, for, for, or I guess junior or senior that's applying for loans or scholarships or anything like that. It's more of, you know, Hey, we're, we're out of school. Um, I have this, you know, hopefully not a huge pile of debt. Um, but unfortunately for a lot of people, it's, it is quite, quite large. Um, you know, what do, what do I do with it? Like, you know, and so I think it's good to start with kind of how do, how did we get here? How did we get into this situation? Um, you know, and, and understanding kind of how we get there. And then also, uh, then after that, just talking about, um, you know, what's currently going on. I'm sure everyone that has student loans knows that they're in, um, you know, they pause interest rates on it and just kind of talk a little bit about that. And then some things to consider, um, going forward so that, uh, you know, you can either talk with your financial advisor or if you're doing things yourself, you can try to get a game plan of how you should try to pay these off. What should you be doing with them? Um, you know, different things to think about. Well, let's just jump right in with kind of the hot topic, um, item that has been kicked around with, um, legislation and in Congress, um, potentially, uh, President Biden, Biden um, mulling the decision to cancel student debt, or just taking a look at um, the student loans in, in general and how much um, um, Americans have accumulated over the last couple decades. Yeah, yeah. So starting kind of with that second point, um, you know, it was I just looked this up earlier. Um, the total debt, uh, student loan debt is, is over $1.7 trillion now. Um, you know, that's an astronomically high number. Obviously there's millions of people that have that and share that, but that's, you know, it continues to go up and really kind of what I want to start with is, you know, like how, do, how did we get here? Cause it seems like depending upon, you know, who, who you're listening to or what they do, you get a different answer of how we got to this problem as a country and, you know, as, as a young people, how, you know, you've been, I don't want to say burdened cause you got an education and there's definitely value to that. Um, but you know, how it kind of got to where it was versus previous generations where student loans didn't seem to be as big of a, an issue as they are now. And, you know, I think the, the first thing just to start with is, um, you know, college has just gotten more expensive. Um, the rate that it has gone up has outpaced inflation. 
Um, and you know, that's not to say that college is bad. I'm not trying to, um, you know, point any, any fingers at individual colleges or anything like that. I'm a very big believer in education, but it's just a fact. Education expenses have gone up much faster than inflation and much faster than they had previously in, you know, let's say our parents' generation. And so over the last 20 years, college has gotten significantly more expensive. So that's one part. Well, if you listen to Congress, that's the only aspect that they look at and they just want to blame all the colleges. And I, I personally think it's three. It's a three-pronged, kind of like a, a stool. Um, that is the problem. And, and, you know, college getting as expensive as it is, is only one of the, the problems or one factor of the problem. Um, the other problem um, is, you know, the business world. Uh, I'm in the business world, but I think the business world has some blame in this as well. Uh, you know, if you think about it, our parents' generation or even the generation before, you could go out of high school and get a, you know, entry-level job or even a somewhat decent job um, without having to go to, to college and get a, you know, your bachelor's. And nowadays, it you you, know, you you pretty much have to go get at least, you know, to community college, at least go get your associates. And it's continues to move even more towards you have to go get a bachelor's. I mean, there are a lot of jobs that were used to be entry level and you could just have your high school that now require a bachelor's. Well, that also incentivizes colleges to raise money because there's a there's a lot more demand. There's and and the supply of students, there you know everybody's got to go, and it's kind of turned into this must-have, and so you know it's kind of like healthcare. You you need healthcare because the only other option is you you die. So of course you're going to pay whatever the costs are for healthcare, and and college has kind of become that to a certain extent. Like you almost feel like you have to go, and because of that, they can charge basically whatever they want to you know a certain extent. And so the business world, I think, is, you know, the other prong of it. Um, and then the third prong is Congress. And, you know, they obviously don't want to hear this. They just want to blame it on everybody else. But um, a big part of the problem is uh, when you get student loans, they give them to anybody and give you as much as you want. And then they charge you 6.8% and have been charging you 6.8% per year, even when interest rates were 1%, 2 3%, 4%. I mean, it's not tied to anything to deal with the markets. It's just, we're the government, and here's 6.8%. And so what really, you know, kind of rubs me the wrong way is when I hear, you know, in particular, one of the biggest ones is a, you know, a Bernie Sanders type person. That's we need to eliminate all student debt and it's all the college's fault and they're being greedy and whatnot. I really question, does he actually know what's going on? Like, how can you say that colleges are being greedy by increasing costs when you as the government have sat there and charged kids 6.8% per year when you can go out and buy a house at 3% or 3.5%. Like the interest rate you're charging is highway robbery comparatively because it's you're the government. You can do whatever you want. So 
you know, I really think that those three things together is what has caused this to get out of control and the huge problem that we currently are in. I think that's interesting the way you broke it down. Um, you know, being in higher education, um, I think the last two are more interesting to to me. Uh, but I wanted to touch briefly on the first one with the cost of education. And I, um, just given the experience that I've had <clears throat> as being involved in um, working for a, a state institution is um, the arms race that is attracting students. So the cost of education, I think, has gone up just because of window shopping and, and making sure the facilities and the student experiences um, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a sales pitch really. I mean, you're, you're trying to attract students and, um, showcase your, your, it's a bunch of things, campus student experience, um, and, and everything involved with that comes expense with, um, dorms, dining facilities, um, everything. So you got to keep up with everybody else first and foremost. Um, but um, I think we're also entering a new um, new era, a new generation of student, which is um, is a lot harder to communicate with because I think they're aware of what we're talking about in, in this episode. Um, and that led into some of the, the second and third points that you were making with the saturation of the bachelor's degree required by businesses. Um, and then they're becoming more aware of the cost. Um, so I'm wondering if if this will kind of start to correct itself, and it's starting with the um, with your first point, the cost or the cost or the student itself. So making the, the student more rational and having parents that um, aren't aren't beating that drum of you need to you need to go to college, you need to go to college. Um, and that m might also tie in like businesses, Google, big, big businesses, um, investing a lot of, a lot of resources into training their own, um, uh, employees instead of requiring the bachelor's degree. But long story long, um, like my own experience, I, I remember getting my bachelor's degree and it was, you know, you look around and everyone, everyone else has that too. So that uh, a factor for me of going to get my MBA was, well, I need to differentiate myself. I need to, um, you know, get a step ahead. And I'm sure that feeling is what uh, a student with a bachelor's degree felt like 25, 30 years ago, being able to, to differentiate and not be so saturated. So, Oh, absolutely. Um, so it is kind of a, and there could potentially be more prongs to that stool, but I, I really like the way you laid it down, laid it out with the three, the three, um, legs of the, of the bar stool. So, um, well, and I want to jump in real quick. I think you, you're hitting a nail on the head there. Um, I do think it is getting better. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, exactly what you said, younger kids are now, and maybe it's because their parents were strapped, you know, parents of our generation, well, a little bit older than us or, you know, type 
are having kids now go to college and if they were strapped and burdened by having so much student debt for so long they you know might be right. teaching their kids different mindsets and different habits and 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 that's great because it is it's a it's a value proposition you know we were talking um in our prep you know if you're going to go get $200,000 in student loans but you're going to be a doctor making a million dollars a year that's a good value proposition but if you're going to go get $200,000 uh, of student loans and your job is going to pay you $30,000 a year, that's not a good value proposition. And I think that the students are, are starting to realize that, like you said, and I think that will help. And I also think business is starting to help because, um, you know, I, I'm not fully on board with Elon Musk and, and what he says, but I do think there is some validity in it. Um, you know, he, he makes a comment that basically yeah. higher education is, do you know exactly what he says, Adam? No, I thought, I was just going to wonder if you were going, alluding to his gamify education. Oh, no, no. I was okay. going to say, because um, I, I don't think he... Any any Did idiot f- can have a bachelor's degree. Is that Some, what yeah, something to that extent. Something to that extent, and and it's like you know, just because you pass a test doesn't mean that you can think critically or you can function. And I think that that has a lot of validity. And and again, like I I went to school for seven years. Um, you know, I have you know lawyers that were in my class, and as long as you pass the bar, whether you're first or last you're still a lawyer right. and you know it i think that there is some validity and i i don't want to diminish education because again like you know a, a future podcast we're going to be going over um you know is, is discussing some of best advice from warren buffett and it talks about education and i 100 percent agree like putting value into yourself is one of the best things you can do but that doesn't necessarily mean going to a four-year college where you take two years of slough classes and you're just basically dinking around, that's not probably adding a lot of value to yourself. And so if if the business world, which I think it is starting to change a little bit more, is like, oh, well, you went to two-year community college, but all of the classes were geared towards X, which is what we do, that may have more value than, well, I went to a four-year education and I have a general degree or, you know, whatever. So I think it is changing, but, you know, it, it, it's probably, you know, it's, it's like, uh, trying to, you know, turn the Titanic, like it's huge and it's going to take a long time. And I mean, we're talking, a, a the next generation might not have it as bad, but there's still two to three generations in here that currently total over 1.7 trillion in student debt. And what the heck do we do with that? Yeah, I mean, it is a fascinating <laughs> topic, um, and I think the delivery method of, of education is going to be probably the the catalyst to to change it. Whether you know, either way, however it changes, is going to be um, the investment of brick and mortar is probably going to decrease if if the the next generation of student is wanting to consume education digitally versus uh, in person. So. That'll be yeah, but, an interesting streamline of, of things. Even that, though, I mean, because I think about that and, and 
you know, if you move everything to and everything learning to online, you know, I think that that's swinging the pendulum too far. And then I think it right. will come back because it's like if everything's online, well, now you're losing out on the camaraderie and the communication oh, skills absolutely. and the, the personal skills because you're sitting at a computer. And then we'll realize, you know, if we would do that as a society, then we'll realize, oh, shoot, we've gone too far. And now we start like we, we always seem to self-correct. It's just does that pendulum swing too far? And then we got to come back the other way. But. That's for future yeah, generations I, to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> I still didn't know who I was when I graduated undergrad. So it's right. just, it, yeah. Um, so I, everybody learns differently. Everybody has different rankings of what they value and what they want to, to do. So um, let, let's, let's switch more to the, the, the dollar amount that um, is outstanding for loans and the potential of canceling that. Is yeah. that going to be some, is that going to have the same effect in theory to what COVID and, and the PPP dollars were of, of basically eliminating or this would be eliminating debt instead of printing Rather than money giving money, giving yeah. money, but wouldn't that have the same effect inflation wise? Just with uh, a, well done. Bring in back old yes. episodes. God, yes. I'm so smart. Um, well, no, that that's actually a fantastic connection um, because, well, let, let, let's just table that for a second, the inflation question, and let's just talk about what is currently being discussed. And currently, um, you know, all interest has been halted for two years or whatever it's been. Um, and that is set to end August 31st. You know, as the time of us recording this, um, now again, depending upon when you're listening to this, maybe they've extended it, maybe they don't extend it. But um, currently it is, they are saying August 31st, interest will start resuming You know, at that 6.8% on federal loans. Uh, also currently they're in discussions of canceling some debt for everybody. Um, what I've been reading is, is that right now, pretty good chance that they eliminate $10,000 from anyone. Um, they're looking at putting income limits on it to each their own. I think that's really silly because if you're going to, you know, I don't know what the difference is in one person's student debt versus another person's student debt. I mean, if you're... Choice. Well, you know, like, choice. well, well, correct. But I mean, yeah, I know yeah. if, if we're in a vacuum and we're looking at, you know, two 23 year olds and one's making half a million dollars a year and the other one's making $30,000 a year. Fine. That's an easy discussion to say we should put an income limit on this. But what if you're not, what if you, what if you're 45 years old and just because you're older, you've moved into a higher bracket, should you be penalized and not get the $10,000 of student loans eliminated just because you're further along your career path. Like, so I really hope they don't do that just for the sake of simplicity and it causing more turmoil in this country and we need less of it. Um, but that's what's currently on the table or is being discussed. Now there are people trying to push for more um, and people saying we shouldn't eliminate any of it, but it seems like the odds are most in favor of them eliminating 
um, ten thousand dollars per person. Um, my guess would be that if that happens, it will you know ironically be close to midterms because it's a midterm election year and we need oh, to no way. yeah exactly we need to buy some votes and so again great strategy i don't fault it um but that's why i think it's being delayed because if you're going to do it you could have done it already so i think if it gets done that's when it's going to happen is nearer the election so you know september october time frame going into the november election um, but that's where it is. Now, if, let's get to that inflation question you asked. If they uh, do this, and let's say they eliminate $10,000, I don't know exactly what that would equate to. I haven't heard that number, um, or I don't remember it, of, of how many, probably billions of dollars that would be um, total of forgiven loans. And that is going to directly impact the money supply. So if you remember when we were talking about inflation, there's interest rates and then there's the money supply from that previous episode. And it will impact the money supply because just like PPP or just like um, the stimulus checks that the government just gave everybody, like this would be basically $10,000 that they just give everybody that has a student loan. And so that's- Which is more. And yes. Oh, way more. Well- well, well okay, okay, so more per person, total. exactly. More per person. Okay. And I don't know yeah. if it, yeah, I don't know what the totals are, so I don't know if it'd be in total, but it would add more to the money supply, which would have an impact on increasing inflation because oh, based on the money supply, because there's now more money out there to buy the same amount of goods, which makes more the goods more expensive. So, yes. And also, once again, well done, sir. That was a very, uh, very good connection that you you had there. You're learning. Uh, yes, my my <laughs> Padawan or I'm your Padawan, my Jedi Master. Oh, um, so this is um, for public or federally backed loans only, correct? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I because I, I, I'm going to be honest. I haven't really paid attention to this whole topic because mm-hmm. I beat my head against the wall and <laughs> fight off depression just because <laughs> um, worst timing ever. I don't know. Uh, February of 2020, I took my federal loans and refinanced them privately. So I, I would really, <laughs> really feel terrible. So I just, once that came out, I was like, I don't even want to look at it. I'm too depressed. Um if it's a federal, uh, federal cancellation only, yeah, private, it likely hurt. it likely will be um, because you know private aren't controlled by the government. Basically, if the government wants to include private student loans, it's not like they can just you know kind of oh we're erasing this from what you owe us. They would literally have to you know if you have your student loans through. JP Morgan right. Chase, they would have to pay them $10,000 per person and that would be a administrative nightmare and we know, you know, that that doesn't always work out the best when there's a lot of things like that and moving pieces between the government and um, you know, big entities like that. So that 
I don't know. Uh, we'll we'll have to see if it passes first. Well, I shouldn't say passes. It sounds like it'd be an executive order. But if it happens, and then, um, you know, whether they include private or not. So that would have been the second time that being fiscally responsible in my life that I have gotten screwed. So first one ah. is since I work in public service, there's like 120 payments. It's forgiven, I think. Uh-huh. And yep. so I did the math and I was like, yeah. So I did the math and I was like, well, if I pay minimum for 10 years, I'm going to be paying more than if I would just pay it extra off. to pay it off faster. Yep. So I've been for the last seven, eight years, been very aggressive with my student loans. So I've been way ahead of it. So yeah. And then, to, you know, to $10,000 and then uh, the cancellation of that, I was just like, oh. This is great, right? But, hey, well, and that's what—that's what some people who are on the side of um, that there shouldn't be any student loan forgiveness. Uh, that's what they say. You know, what if you've already paid off your student loans? Um, you know, I—I I fall into that camp. I mean, I'm not saying that I don't want there to be student loan forgiveness. I personally, I don't really care. That's government's decision. But I—I I would be in the same boat as you. Um, you know, I was very aggressive and paid off my law school loans. Um, I think it was three and a half years and I've been done. Now, if I would have been on the normal schedule of just paying the regular yep. amount, I would still have a balance and thus would be right. in this potential group and would pay 10,000 less. But, you know, it is what it is. We don't know what the future is. I mean, if we could all sit here and say we should have bought Amazon in 2000, well, we didn't, you know, some people did and we didn't. So we can't beat yourself up for you know, you make the best decisions you can with the information you have at that time and the future unfolds as it will. Yeah. So give me, uh, give me <laughs> <laughs> as someone that's like 95% done too, it's just like, uh, give me some, some, <laughs> some, not hope or advice. Just make me, make me feel better about my decision that I made a good decision. I just, it was an, I mean, frick, a global pandemic. Right. I was literally sitting at my kitchen table January or February of 2020. I was like, I'm stable. My family's stable. My finances are stable. I have a stable job. This just makes too much sense for me to lower, to not lower the, the interest rate and go away from the public. Right. Um, the the securities that it offers of being like the grace periods and the deferment options. I was like, you didn't need it's that. It's like a three percent cut. And right. Then a month later, I was like, good grief. <laughs> right. When, but, but that, and I didn't even stop paying during the whole thing. Like, right. But that's good, oh, good for me. But well, no. But here's my thing: is that this is this is what we're trying to say, and like give you know, high, of hindsight's always twenty twenty. Like you took data that you had in February of 2020 and all the things you just stated and you made the decision to one pay more on your debt so that you pay it down faster very very rarely I'm not gonna say never very rarely a poor choice especially at 6.8 percent interest rate and then you decided to cut your interest rate I'll just say cut it in half 
It went from 6.85 to 4.87, I believe. Sure. Okay. Uh, we're just going to say roughly half. Or 3.87. Yeah. So roughly half. Yeah. So both of those are good financial decisions. The only thing that will potentially make that, in air quotes, not a good financial decision is the fact that the government may just give people a bunch of money. Like, there's no way for you to know that that was going to happen. There's no way for you to expect it. And it's just like, it you know, it is what it is type of a thing. Um, you made two very good, sound financial decisions. And in the end, the dice may come up snake eyes for you. It happens. Um, but there's your words of, of hope or encouragement was you made two very sound good decisions yay that's right so 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 joining my uh diplomas in a frame is gonna be my completion letter when i'm done with this knowing that i probably i'm not gonna be the one the one of however many that has if it happens the cancellation is gonna be mounted on my wall and say i'm I'm a proud full payer. <laughs> it's a club. There you go. Um, anyways, all right. So moving on now that we've got the encouragement out of the way and you're you're feeling good again. Uh, you know what? If you if you have student loans right now, what should you be doing? Um, first, probably need to break that down between we're talking. If you have federal loans, if you have private loans. You know, again, as we've been saying, you you have that's kind of its own beast. It's on its own. It's with whatever institution you're at, um, not necessarily held by to the government's rules, and and we don't know how that's going to play out. But if you are and still have your federal student loans, you know the first thing you need to do is is obviously examine them. What do you owe? How much do you have left? How much is your payment? Like, what's your cash flow? Can you pay more each month? Um, you know, once payments start up again, or, or you know, once you need to start paying, and interest starts going on it again, um, can you pay more? Because six point eight percent is a high interest rate. Um, you know, and also, are you, depending upon your job or depending upon your income, are you eligible for any of these programs that will allow forgiveness? And then, what's the break even? Like Adam did, he could have because he's working for the government could have paid minimum for 10 years and then had the rest forgiven under a government program, but it would have actually cost him more money to do that over 10 years out of his own pocket than to just pay him off faster. So you have to you know, work through those calculations or work with your financial advisor through those calculations. Um, you know, And then I would say once you've gotten through that and you know what your loan is and you really understand it, how much you can pay, I, you know, start paying on it. Um, unless you're like at that $10,000 level or less, if you want to wait and hang out and see if this passes, by all means, I wouldn't blame you. Um, you know, if you're at 15,000 and you want to wait, I wouldn't blame you. Maybe they bump it up a little bit, but if you have a hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt, you know, Bernie Sanders is not the president. So like you need to start paying on that. And uh, again, unless you're in a, a program that has, or, or on a path that it's on its way towards forgiveness based on your job or industry, but you got to start paying on that. Um, and just try to pay it down as fast as you can, because it's a debt just like anything. And 
Also, bankruptcy does not release you from this. The only way you get out from this is it is forgiven, you pay it off, or you die. That's it. Like student loans are not like a house or a car where you can just file bankruptcy and then walk away from it because what the value you got from going to school is inherently you. It's your brain. It's your experiences. It's your perceptions and everything that you've learned. That's only intrinsic value to you. I get no value out of Adam going to school and what he learned because that's not me. Adam doesn't get value out of what I learned. You know, we aren't each other. And so that's why it, it unfortunately stays with you. Um, so, you know, I'd start looking at those things and, you know, creating a plan to try to get them paid off because it's just, if you let that, you know, we've talked in previous episodes about compound interest. Well, it works the opposite direction when you have debts and a 6.8 compound interest really adds up. That's what happens when you read these articles about people who have, you know, said, I've been paying on my student loans for 10 years and I owe more than when I started. Well, they probably have been paying the minimums only and that compound interest has just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and that snowball gets bigger and now they're not keeping up and it just crushes you. So don't get yourself in that situation. Keep that interest snowball small and keep paying that off and pay extra if you can. Um, you know, Because again, 6.8% is a high interest rate. I'm not in the Dave Ramsey camp that you shouldn't have debt and that debt is terrible. Student loan debt is not inherently bad debt because it is you improving yourself and making yourself you know, better by learning more and more well-rounded and everything you take away from it. But that interest rate is bad. 6.8 is high. Um, so you know, work to pay that off. I would prioritize it. Um, you know, not over credit cards because those are higher, but uh, you know, an auto loan at 2% or student loans at 6.8, if you have extra money, it should be going on your student loans. It shouldn't go towards paying off your car faster because the, in, the interest rate you're paying is so much lower. So that's my words of wisdom to anybody that currently has student loans um, and is just really trying to wonder how the heck do I get rid of this? That's big key. Create that. Learn about them. Know what know what you have, because then once you know what you have, you can create the best plan moving forward. The best thing I probably learned in college. Granted, I was uh, kind of a business slash MBA, so it fell naturally. But learning how to do an amortization schedule is a fantastic tool. You don't need even need to know how to do them. Just Google and download right, yeah, there's amortization. Google ones. Yep. And you can just tinker with money, tinker with fake money, it's monopoly money, and just go, okay, if I pay this amount of uh, dollars per month, how long will it take me? And you just... Yep. I, I, that's what I do. Um, yep. Well, and a and lot I, of them, um, I can't remember if student loans have them or not, um, but, you know, like, mortgages for example i mean they have the calculator oh, yeah, comes, built right yeah, in yeah. and yep. it says if i pay an extra 500 a month you'll save this amount in interest i mean it's right there to tell you and i'm not sure if the student loans do or not 
I don't think they do because they don't want you paying it early. Well, um, neither does the bank technically, I, but right. it's just they are providing a good service. Um, I remember like said, paying a chunk off. I had like $2,000 left in one, and I was like, whatever. I, this is one less login I need, so I just lopped it off. Uh-huh. And they were like, oh, you're paying it off early? Well, we're going to calculate the interest we were going to, and then they charged me a fee, early payoff fee. It was complete BS. It was like a hundred bucks. Really? Wow. <laughs> yeah. I was like, cool. Cause you need your money too. So whatever. Yep. But um, okay. So let's now that we've we've got that um taken care of to kind of wrap up here. Do you if you're in charge here, President Tanner or somebody that has um great standing and great power? What is, in theory, a good solution to this? Um, is it providing higher education at a, a reasonable interest rate or a reasonable cost? Is it capping cost of education at some point? Um, is it more of a socialist approach where everybody has access? Or what do you feel like is the best way to appease all three prongs of your stool? <laughs> Um, that's, that's tough. Uh, obviously, obviously it's a tough question. If you had the answer, you'd be, no, well, (laughs) right. Uh, Well, Congress isn't going to listen to us anyway. Um, and the reason I say it's hard is, and and obviously it's hard because if it was easy Congress or someone would have, you know, just figured it out, but you're working with two different things. You know, you're working with people who've already been in college and, you know, may have already graduated 20, 30 years ago and they still have student loans down to people who have recently graduated. And so it's kind of that group, which is a huge group and varying needs and degrees. And then you have the next, you know, kind of generation that hasn't yet gone to college. It doesn't have this yet. And, you know, I would say what what frustrates me is is Congress just focusing on, you know, putting a bandaid on things and being like, oh yeah, we have a big problem with student debt and and here's here here here's ten thousand dollars, go away, shut up, here's some money and we'll just we'll just throw money at it like that. That's literally kind of what you know what they do. Whenever we have a crisis, they let it become a crisis, and then they just throw some money at it and they're like, all right, we did some stuff, all right, leave us alone, and. That may be the best for the people that have student debt right now. But how do we make sure we don't get into this? You know, the the question I have, um, whenever I talk with someone that's a huge Bernie supporter or any of the, the people who want to completely just wipe out all student debt is, okay, fine. So now there's no more student loan debt. What, what about 20 years from now when, because we haven't fixed the problem, what about those people? Because we're, we're not fixing the problem. And that, to me, is the bigger issue. How do we fix the problem? And I think it's a combination of a few things. The first and easiest one is government ties <laughs> interest rates to what normal interest rates are, like everything else. And they become, I don't want to say competitive with the banks, but they just have a reasonable interest rate so they're not screwing kids over um, with how much they charge. Um, and I think we've talked a little bit about you know the business world and and you know, the, the colleges. Um, but you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if the government has the authority to go in and tell the colleges, Hey, you can't 
you can raise rates and you can make money, but you capped out at raising tuition at whatever interest uh, or whatever inflation is every year. Maybe that's, that's reasonable. Basically, what I mean, kind of what they are, do now for state institutions. Well, maybe like the one I, you I, work tuition, at. Tuition, yeah, tuition freezes and all that kind of right. stuff. But yeah, to an extent, yeah. right? You know, and 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 that's the thing is, I I don't know what that perfect answer is. Um, the but the problem that I'm seeing is is that that discussion isn't being had. Where you know. Congress, who has the ability and authority and the power to do things, is just, well, we'll just throw some money. Like, they're just putting a Band-Aid on things, and that's, you know, that's not what we need. We need, we, we may need that, but then we also need to address the problem and have people in that are a lot smarter than me and are in the education field and can talk about these things and have a lot better idea than I ever would and bring in a bunch of experts on that and then bring in a bunch of experts in you know, the business world of how can we do this and bring, you know, bring all of them together and then find a solution to not continuing to have this same problem, you know, creep its ugly head up 10 years from now or 20 years from now again. Like we need to solve it, not put a bandaid on it and kick the can down the road. So how's that for, you called me President Tanner. So how's that for a political (laughs) answer? (laughs) Yeah, you just... Talked in circles and didn't give you an answer. (laughs) Yep. Um, Perfect. Uh, Well, I will say Tanner Bortnum, 2030. No, what would it be? (laughs) Well, you're 35. No, you'd be eligible. No, what's what is it? It's 2024. So 2028. There we go. Solve all the problems in 2028. That is crazy to think that, given our age, twenty twenty eight is the first. Hmm. No, I'm not running for president. <laughs> I wasn't gonna. <laughs> I wasn't worried about it. Yeah, well, just in case some of our listeners thought I was being serious. Hey, yeah, okay, never mind. I won't. I'll just shut my mouth. You can you can get rich faster by doing that. That's how, that's what I was gonna say. Politics. <laughs> um, It'll be interesting to see if we do an update, you know, six months or a year from now on this episode. It'll be interesting to see how how smart or dumb we sound. Yeah, well, and just how it played out. But yeah, um, it is you know, given my experience, circling back again to another episode of of finding your why for me, an important thing for me and my wife Greta is to give our son Miles and future children, the ginormous, I know that's not a word, head start in their race by helping helping them with education costs. Because, man, I, I didn't get a whole lot. It was kind of all 100% all on my own. And, uh, yeah, it's been, you know, a burden that you have to kind of bear by yourself. So if you never had to deal with student loans, God bless you. You are lucky, <laughs> and I am jealous. Um, but, anyways, anything else to add there, Tanner? Nah, Moms? that's good. That's good. Cool. Uh, we hope this episode has been enjoyable, helpful. I think it was a pretty good one, right, Tanner? Uh, <laughs> as always, thanks for listening. If you haven't yet, please like and subscribe. If you're listening on Spotify, 
uh, click those stars. Give us a five-star rating. It helps our podcast, and we appreciate it very much. If you have any questions, suggestions, or want to join in on the conversation, uh, shoot us an email at podcast at com. That's podcast at com. See you in the next episode. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. This podcast does not engage in rendering legal, tax, financial, or other professional services. Investment advisory services are offered through Harmony Wealth, a registered investment advisor authorized to do business in states where registered or otherwise exempt from registration. If you have questions pertaining to your specific situation, please contact Harmony Wealth at 602-935-5155 or at HarmonyWealthAZ.com.